Coming up on Golf Today, Bryson DeChambeau reportedly on his way to the Live Golf Series, but has not resigned from the PGA Tour. We'll have more reaction in this unfolding story rocking the highest reaches of professional golf. And one of the historic events on the PGA Tour, the RBC Canadian Open, back on the schedule for the first time since 2019 with a star-studded field ready to make some noise in the suburbs of Toronto. And speaking of stars, one of the best of all time, Kari Webb, joins us for a past champ chat on the ShopRite and also shares her insight on countrywoman Minji Lee winning the U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needles. It's all ahead on Golf Today. Golf Today. Brought to you by PointsBet. Welcome to Golf Today on a Wednesday. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine. Wasn't that long ago, maybe a few weeks, you sat at this very desk, Eamon, and said it would be a very, very busy summer in the game. You wrote columns about it as well for Golf Week magazine. Has it been even busier than you could have imagined? No, it's, it's kind of playing out according to the script. I mean, we knew the dates. We knew the names. Mm. We knew the objectives. We, we, we kind of knew how this was going to play out. And sports washing needs two things. It needs money and it needs stooges. And the Saudis are clearly not lacking in either one right now. And the story continues to play out on this Wednesday. Here is what you need to know. Now, on Tuesday, the three-time U.S. Open champ Tiger Woods took to social media, announcing that he will not be competing in next week's major as his body needs more time to get stronger for major championship golf. Tiger said, quote, I do hope and plan to be ready to play in Ireland at the JP Pro-Am and at the Open next month. I'm excited to get back out there soon. And then more news surrounding the U.S. Open on Tuesday as the USGA announced that they will allow players in the Live Golf Invitational Series to compete in next week's U.S. Open at Brookline. This was the statement released from the USGA. We pride ourselves in being the most open championship in the world and the players who have earned the right to compete in this year's championship, both via exemption and qualifying, will have the opportunity to do so. Our field criteria were set prior to entries opening earlier this year, and it's not appropriate nor fair to competitors to change criteria once established. And then this morning, our Todd Lewis and Rex Hogger confirming with Bryson DeChambeau's agent, Brett Falkoff, that Bryson will be playing in the second Live Golf Series event at Pumpkin Ridge at the beginning of July. That is in Oregon. According to Falkoff, Bryson is not resigning, though, from the PGA Tour and wants to continue to play PGA Tour events in the future. The 2020 U.S. Open champ spoke to all his sponsors and Commissioner Jay Monahan on Monday to inform them of his decision. Meanwhile, this statement from Bryson's agent, our Rex Hoggard, spoke to Brett Falkoff, who said, quote, Bryson has always been an innovator, having the opportunity to get out on the ground floor of something unique has always been intriguing to him. Professional golf as we know it is changing and it's happening quickly. Let's welcome in senior writer for Golf Channel, Rex Hogger, one of our insiders. So much to unpack. What are you hearing, Rex? Well, I, I did reach out to Brett after he sent me that statement just because I was curious and Todd had reported this that Bryson doesn't have any plans to resign his PGA Tour membership. Now, this is much different than what some of the other players are doing. Phil Mickelson announced just yesterday he plans to resign 
Kevin Na was the first DJ announced earlier this week that he plans to resign. Now, Brett says that he doesn't feel like that that's the best route for Bryson going forward, and he said that they're going to look into it. Now, according to other various sources, there's a lot of different reasons why players may or may not want to do this. Chief among them, and I think Kevin Na uh, actually talked about this in his statement when he resigned on social media, he wants to avoid whatever legal entanglement comes with this. I think the expectations right now is that there will be sanctions that are handed out by the PGA Tour for defying. They had put in for conflicting event releases. They had been denied for this event, and Commissioner Jay Monahan has made it perfectly clear that they won't be allowed to play both. So this seems like it's heading to some sort of legal bout, and those players want to avoid that. The other interesting part of this element is the PGA Tour has a very lucrative retirement program for all of these players involved, and this may have something to do with that, whereas if they step down, it would be a different model if they were to stay, if they were trying to keep their tour membership going forward. So this is going to get, just get more complicated as we move forward, it seems like, Damon. You know, Rex, Bryce DeChambeau has been one of the names rumored for a long time. He was in, he was out, he was going, he was staying. You spoke to Bryson's agent. I'm curious, was he defiant? Was he clear-eyed? Was he matter-of-fact? How would you describe the conversation? I think he was clear-eyed. I think from all understandings, is, and look, Bryson talked about this last week. He pledged his allegiance to wanting to play against the best players in the world just last week. Now, that's a caveat. I want to play against the best players of the world, which of course, left the door open. It gave him an opportunity to say, well, the best players are playing in London this week. That's the event I want to be at. But I got the indication, and Brett didn't tell me this, but based on his comments last week and how quickly this came together, that it's still very much an evolving situation. Now, look, rumors on tour have been running, running rampant the last few weeks. Bryson's name has come up, as well as Patrick Reed was also named in this report. So I don't think these are the last of the players that are going to end up joining, whether if it's for the next event or later this summer. Now, I did reach out to Patrick Reed, and he has not responded to a request for comment. And I also reached out to a spokesperson for Liv Goff, who said that they don't comment on speculation. Rex Hoggard on his conversation with Bryson DeChambeau's agent. Bryson, <coughs> on the way to the Live Golf Series, Eamon. What, what's happened here? I want to ask you the same question I asked Rex. I mean, Bryson was, he was gone, he was here. Why now? Why is he, in your mind, going to Live Golf? Well, this is what charlatans do. They dress up this kind of stuff in guff about being innovators or, or growing the game. And, you know, they're, they're the kind of people who would frankly chop down a tree and then mount the stump and give a speech about conservation. It's commerce without any kind of conscience. And frankly, it's commerce without any kind of honesty. Either six days ago, Bryson said that this would be too much of a risk for his career. Yes. Uh, that was a lie. It was clearly a lie six days ago. Three months ago, he said it was as long as the best players in the world were going to be on the PGA Tour, that he would too. Well, unless Chase Kepka and Andy Ogletree now qualify as the best players in the world, those players are still on the PGA mm. Tour. And, you know, it's money. It's a naked money grab being dressed up as something more noble or something more forward-thinking, and it's nothing of the kind. It's pure naked greed. It's also this drip, drip, drip of names. Why do you think it's unfolding the way it's unfolding? You know, it's DJ one day, it's Phil Mickelson one day, it's rumors about Patrick Reed, Ricky Fowler we don't know, no. Bryson DeChambeau, now we do know. Why is it unfolding this way? I think there's a staggered strategy here, Damon. I mean, when they, the Saudis announced the first part of the field last week for London, it's a field of 48. They announced 42 names. Now, we knew five were coming from a different Asian Tour qualifying event, so that left one name. That name turned out to be Phil Mickelson, which could have been announced last week because everyone has known that Phil was going to play that event and that Phil was allied with the Live Golf Tour. 
it was delayed a week to create this simulated momentum. Mm. And they'll do the same this week with Bryson. Presumably, there will be other names that will come out before Portland to create this idea that there's a cascading narrative in their favour. And it's questionable whether or not there is, because the names we're hearing are the names who were always in. There are no new shocks here. And it's the same group of people who you could kind of question their competitive relevance right now. For all we know, Bryson's career could be on a downslide given the injuries mm. that he's currently facing and has faced over the last few months. Patrick Reed hasn't been competitively relevant in a couple of years either. It's, the, the names aren't particularly surprising, but there is a strategy behind the frequency with which they're being announced to try to create this idea that there is a narrative. Because if they actually announced all of these names at one time, it's a relatively unimpressive group of people. You're not talking about the top 10 players in the world going anywhere mm. here. But if they do this kind of drip, drip, uh, torturous release every week, then it creates the idea that there is momentum, which may be overstating it a little. They do have players of various ages, though. Players at the beginning of their career, in their 20s. Players at the end of their career, in their 40s and 50s. Is there a unifying characteristic of these players? Some of them, I'll call them flawed champions in, in, in uh, for lack of a better term. Maybe players who have struggled with their short game. Players who don't think they're going to win on the PGA Tour anymore. Players who have battled the media. Players who, who maybe have had some questionable moments. You know, Phil Mickelson talking about his gambling issues. Very public in a conversation with Bob Herrig of Sports Illustrated. There are two unifying characteristics here, I think, in the field. The, the competitive relevance mm. is one. These aren't guys who are challenging for tournaments all the time. You, the greatest claim to competitive relevancy is probably Dustin Johnson. He hasn't really contended in almost two years mm. since he won the Masters. Is clearly on the, on the downslope at, at the end of his career. And the other thing that they share in common is shamelessness. I mean, the Washington Post reported four days ago that Saudi-targeted strikes on civilians in Yemen have killed 24,000 people. And Graham McDowell sits there yesterday in London and says, we're proud to help them on their journey. You really don't get much more shameless than that. Mm. Do you think that the players are, you know, Taylor Gooch saying, I I'm just a golfer. Would they, would they be, would they have a little more respect if they just said, you know what? This is about the cash. Well, they, and this is about the money. In Taylor Gooch's defense, he said he was too stupid to understand human rights, which might be the closest thing to a truth that was actually mm. uttered at the Live Golf event. I mean, the prevarications become embarrassing because it's very hard to come up with a good response to questions about why you're being paid and employed by people who bonesaw their critics. Because there is no good answer mm. to those questions. And the questions will keep coming. And the, the embarrassment will keep coming to the players who go down this road. But they're just kind of hoping to normalize it over time that people will kind of forget what they're doing and why they're doing it. I keep remembering a conversation I had with, with Mike Shy, who's a part of Bryson DeChambeau's upbringing as a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, when he won the U.S. Open, I asked, I said, I said, Mike, what's important to Bryson? And he said, that U.S. Open at Wingfoot meant everything. He wants to win the Masters desperately. Loves competing and winning Jack's tournament, the Memorial, Arnold Palmer Invitational. It was the Invitationals on the PGA Tour and the Majors. To hear that he's going to compete in Portland opposite a PGA Tour event in the United States of America... I guess my question is, where is this headed? It's headed to... There are three different fronts in this war, ultimately. The courtroom, which is probably where we get to first, as they litigate the right of the PGA Tour or players to determine their own schedules. It will end up 
with the World Golf Rankings, which does not acknowledge or count every tour and does not count 54 whole events. Otherwise, Bernhard Langer would be the number one player in the world. Mm. And these events need that kind of ranking point status to keep its live golf members in the frame for eligibility for major championships. And finally, it's going to end up at the door of Fred Ridley at Augusta National. The majors are where the front line is going to end up here because these guys are convinced and have been told by Live Golf repeatedly, you can play these legacy events, the major championships, and get the guaranteed money from Live Golf at the same time. That's very much up in the air at this point. Now, the, the timing of it right now doesn't say or not. You know, the USGA and the RNA both run open championships. Right. The criteria by which they enter the Masters and the PGA Championship is a little bit more restrictive. And those two majors are run by two men who've been pretty vocal in their support of the existing ecosystem in golf. But both Seth Waugh and Fred Ridley know that this can is ultimately going to be kicked down the road to their door, and they're going to face some tough decisions down the road, too. You use the term drip, drip, so did I. Uh, do they have momentum? Does Live Golf have momentum the way they are announcing these players? And you can say the fields are weak, which they are, but Phil Mickelson is a big name, and Bryson DeChambeau is a big name, and Sergio Garcia and Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter are names that people who love golf know. Sure, they, they have momentum in, in their ability to make announcements. Okay. They don't have momentum in being able to announce players who are relevant. And to me, that's the key. But, but they don't care about what the product is yeah. at the end. Nor do the players, frankly, care what the product is. I mean, they're talking about being innovators and this kind of progressive format. It's all nonsense. They 54 holes, shotgun start, no cuts. Yeah. I mean, it's like don't tell me you're guess. seeking. You, this isn't TPC Sawgrass on Sunday with Tommy Roy's cameras pointing at you in the crowd waiting to see what you're going to do at 17. Just say what it is. This is about the money. This is a late career or early career if you don't think you have what it takes to compete with the best in the world. Money grab. Just being, it's naked. It, it's, it's pretty clear. This isn't about growing the game. But they can't be honest about that because to be honest about that, requires acknowledging that it is a sports-washing enterprise. Mm. It's throwing money at golf. It's hijacking professional golf, allowing this sport to be owned by MBS mm. for the purposes of laundering their human rights abuses. And none of them have the courage to sit there uh, on that day as yesterday in London or today and say what it is. So they dress it up in this nonsense about growing the game, but they ultimately don't care what the product is. And there, there's no fan audience for it. I mean, it's been given away. Mm. On, on YouTube, there is, there's not an audience for it, there's not an audience appetite for it, and there's no honesty or courage among the players in at least being honest about why they're doing it and what the end game is. You said this story would be a big part of the summer. Little did we know. Well, one guy who isn't headed to the Saudi tour is the most recent winner of a major championship, the PGA, Justin Thomas. We'll hear from JT when Golf Today returns. For 24-7 news and highlights, visit CBS. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And Grips, the best grips in golf. And by Zexio, experience light, experience easy. Zexio, experience the difference. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. 
the new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Back on Golf Today, St. George's Golf and Country Club, located among tree-lined streets in Toronto's West End, playing host to this week's RBC Canadian Open. After the COVID-19 pandemic forced the tournament to be canceled each of the previous two years, the National Championship of Canada returns to the PGA Tour for the first time since 2019. Reigning PGA champ Justin Thomas back in action this week, just a couple weeks removed from that big win at Southern Hills, capturing that second career Wanamaker trophy. Great talking to from Bones on Saturday night, making up seven shots and later eight on Sunday to get the job done. I did miss the cut at Colonial. Okay, he's been busy though, on his way to Toronto. Be a little pit stop to check out the country club in Brookline, which he said will be a great test for the U.S. Open next week. You know, he also stopped at Southern Hills before playing in the PGA, so looking for some similar results. This first round grouping, by the way, Justin Thomas with Rory McIlroy. He won in 2019 in Canada's own Corey Connors. Get that tee time underway, 7.13 a.m. JT spoke with our Haley Hunter earlier today. Justin, your last two major wins came after playing in a tournament the week prior, PGA Championship 2017. Then, of course, just a few weeks ago, the PGA Championship again this year. Do you feel like you kind of got yourself in a formula going ahead to the uh, U.S. Open next week? I hope so. I mean, that was a, a big part of the the intentions and plans of maybe playing the week before. And, uh, I mean, it was something I truly just waited till I, how I felt the week of the PGA and afterwards to see if I wanted to add this event. And... Obviously, that week went well, and that's uh, you know if it's something that works out well for me, and, and I feel more comfortable, and I feel like I'm I'm contending and winning more, then obviously it's going to be a, a good formula for me. Some of the greens out here look pretty challenging. A lot of tears, a lot of false fronts out there, some drop-offs. You've always been a bit player though that excels with hitting different types of approach shots into the greens. How might that play in your favor this week? Yeah, I think I mean I've only seen eight holes uh, due to the weather yesterday. I didn't get to to play the back nine or, like I wanted, but. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very unique. It's very old school, which is cool. It reminds me a lot, honestly, of the course in Hamilton to where it's a premium on hitting the fairway, long rough, and it just has a lot of undulation. I mean, the greens have so much slope to where you have to be creative. You have to be able to take a lot of spin off wedges. You have to, you know, spin it left, spin it right, whatever it might be. So I think it'll be a good test. Speaking of spinning off wedges, you got some rain the past couple of days. It's looking like Thursday and Sunday we'll get some more rain. How might that affect your strategy out here? Um, You just kind of have to take it for what it is i i was blown away how firm the course was or how i guess not soft it was um it just was a, i mean it's i don't know it's one of those things it's not like you can go into it saying you're going to do anything differently when you have rain or if it gets soft you just have to truly uh take it for what it is and maybe just pack the waterproofs if needed 
Back here at the Canadian Open, I know you mentioned in your press conference today that the Canadians have been very nice to you here. Just what's it like to be back here uh, playing in this tournament again? Yeah, it's great. I I enjoyed it a couple of years ago, and uh, it definitely got a strong following, and I feel like with a couple of years off, it's going to be even better. I mean, the very, very passionate sports fans up here, so I'm glad that we're able to put this event on this this week, and I'm, uh, I'm going to be a part of it. Thanks, Justin. Best of luck. Thank you. A little quiet confidence, Justin Thomas there, Damon. What, what are you anticipating this week? What are you anticipating next week? What are the chances of two in a row? I, I think they're strong for a player who I think is learning to deal with the ebbs and flows of the game. I'll never forget a conversation I had with JT. It was one year after he won the PGA at Quail Hollow. It was 2018. We met up at, at Bell Reef, and he was so hard on himself. Even then, he just was never satisfied, and I think that's a good quality to have as long as it doesn't affect you on Sundays. I think he's trying to find the way to be his own best friend and not burn so hot that it affects him negatively. His last four wins on the PGA Tour since January of 2020, the Century Tournament of Champions. He won the WGC in Memphis in August of 2020, the players and the PGA. We throw around that term big game hunter quite a bit at this table and at this channel. Justin Thomas, a 15-time winner on the PGA Tour, is as big a big game hunter as you will find. I think he found something in that seven-shot deficit, in that conversation with Bones. We know he loves the big stage. He loves to compete at the highest level, tough golf courses. I just think he's becoming more comfortable knowing that he even said, I've, I'm playing the best golf of my career, and I don't have any trophies to show for it. Now that he does, I imagine we'll continue to see JT at the height of his power. There's a very short list of guys on the PGA Tour who, if you add confidence to what they already have, mm. You're just watching a man in full, and it yeah. becomes a delight to watch them. You you throw a Rory McIlroy in that character, a John Ram, characters like that. JT is definitely on that list as well. And what we saw at Southern Hills was a guy who was getting his swagger back. Yeah. And this is a guy who is so dangerous to everyone else in the field when he's got that confidence and the fuel moving forward. And it's gonna. It was interesting to hear him talk and acknowledge that he's he's searching for a formula mm. when it comes to major championships. And he certainly found one, as you mentioned. He went to Southern Hills in advance with Tiger and, and played there. He was at uh, the Country Club in Boston when I was up there on Monday with Rich Lerner for Golf's Longest mm. Day. He was out there with Jordan Spieth. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see if that flows into next week because the consistency that the formula will bring has not been there in major championships as much as he wants over the years. He's made seven starts in the U.S. Open. He tied for eighth at winged foot back in 2020, right. is his best finish there. A couple of missed cuts in those seven starts as well. So he's never had the consistency he wanted, but he's starting to find it this year. He was top 10 of the Masters. He tied for ace. Obviously won the PGA Championship. He's got every skill set necessary to win at, at Brookline next week as well. And I, I was digging through all of these different stats that I thought might become relevant, having seen the course on Monday. And... You know, we talked to Jeff Hall from the USGA, who's in charge of setting up the golf course. Yeah. And at one point, Rich Lerner asked him, is the rough around the greens going to be getting a little juicier? And Jeff just said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Justin Thomas is eighth on tour in scrambling from the rough. Yeah. Now, Jordan Spieth is first on tour in scrambling from the rough. So there may be two guys who are going to be around there on, on Sunday or can at least handle that challenge that's presented yeah. by the country club next week. But there are, 
I can't think of anyone who's going into Brooklyn with more confidence yeah. than Justin Thomas is, certainly not among the big-name guys. It's an important 15th club. I think at the age of 29, with these 15 PGA Tour wins, now a couple of PGA championships, there have been a handful of athletes that I've been around in, in covering different sports, NFL, NBA. JT is throwback. He, he strikes me as someone who, you know, we're talking a lot about money and, and rival leagues. Justin Thomas wants to win. He wants to be great. And I think if he was playing for five bucks, he'd be just as dangerous as if he was playing for five million. That's who Justin Thomas is. And, and I'm fascinated by it. In the handful of conversations that I've had with him, I always walk away from them thinking, you know, this is an athlete. You know, this is someone who was, you know, raised by a PGA professional father and grandfather, someone who went to the University of Alabama and didn't just play golf there, but spent time in Nick Saban's football office it has formed a, a, a friendship with one of the foremost minds in coaching and competitiveness today and justin thomas views himself in that ilk not to mention his friendship with tiger woods i think he has surrounded himself with winners with people who who can kind of put the put the small stuff away and and focus on the task and i think that's been good for him i think the addition of bones has been good for him as well well, one of the guys he's going to have to beat uh, in this kind of hard-bitten competitor edge that he has is the world number one, Scotty Scheffler. He's also in the field this week at the RBC Canadian Open. He's coming off a playoff loss to his buddy Sam Burns as a Charles Schwab challenge. The number one spoke with Haley Hunter as well. All right, Scotty, now that you have a feel for the course after playing in the Pro-Am today, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge here at St. George's? Well, I think there's a lot. You know, the, the greens have a lot of slope in them, and the rough is really high, and there's a lot of different uh, different holes out there. I was really surprised with the elevation changes. It was, um, you know, I heard there were some, but it was a little bit more than I was expecting, so it uh, should be a fun week. Speaking of the rough being high, how might that prepare you for next week at the U.S. Open? Yeah, it's definitely good to start practicing that with some high rough for the U.S. Open coming up. But, um, you know, it's not, like, crazy sticky rough so when you're chipping around the greens things are coming out a little hotter than i imagine them to be so um did a lot of work today kind of getting used to the rough and you know we haven't played and stuff this long in a while you've been in contention on almost every sunday for every tournament you've played in this year what's the difference maker for you in your game when you're in that top 15 20 range or winning what needs to be on for you you know i think i think the guys you see winning every week are the ones making putts you always got to make putts and hit shots at the end and you know, I've done a good job putting myself in position this year and you know, been able to finish off a few events, which is, a few events, which is fun. Thanks, Scotty. Best of luck. Yeah, thanks. Well, Scheffler and Burns will be playing alongside each other for the first two rounds in Canada. Cameron Smith, the players' champion, runs out the group. They tee off tomorrow, 12.53 p.m. Eastern. Love it. I love this tournament. The Trevino won it three times. Tiger won it. VJ, great to see some of the best players north of the border. So still to come, we head back to Canada. The 2019 RBC Canadian Open champ Rory McIlroy meets with the media. That's coming up on Golf Today. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. This week marks the 42nd Curtis Cup Biennial Women's Amateur Team Competition between the United States and Great Britain and Ireland. The 2020 Curtis Cup was postponed one year due to COVID and was played in 2021 at Conway Golf Club in Wales. Paige McKenzie, who will be on the call with this week, is joining us now. Paige Welcome in. What strikes us, or what strikes you about the makeup of the teams this week? Anything standing out? Uh, most definitely, Eamon. You described it that the 2020 uh, Curtis Cup was postponed, so now they're playing in back-to-back -back years. And when you look at the composition of both teams, and I'll start with Great Britain and Ireland, uh, captained by Aline Ratcliffe, who was also the captain in 2021, uh, she has a team now of six players that we saw in last year's Curtis Cup. Uh, and mind you, the team is only made up of eight. So Hannah Darling, Annabelle Fuller, Charlotte Keith, Kaylee McGinty, Lauren Walsh, and Louise Duncan are all returning this year. So looking for a rematch against the United States team, who they got off to a good, a good start last year, GB and I did, uh, with a four and a half to one and a half lead after the first day. But ultimately, United States ended up winning 12 and a half to seven and a half. So now the United States team is looking to go back to back to back this year with a team that has a very similar composition as well. Returning the same captain, Sarah LeBrun Ingram, as well as Jensen Castle, Rachel Huss, Rachel Keane, Amelia Miliacho, and Rose Zhang. So it's going to be a bit of a rematch this year, but this time on the United States soil uh, for a lot, of this, a lot of these players this year. Americans look like a tough out to me. Page. So the viewers at home, they say, Marion, wait a second, that's Ben Hogan, that's Justin Rose, that's 2013. Is the course similar to 2013 or different? What are your impressions? Well, it's a very familiar golf course for a lot of people. Uh, Marion has hosted the most USGA championships of any golf course. They've hosted 19. And you mentioned it, the last time that they hosted a USGA championship was that 2013 U.S. Open that Justin Rose won. And famously, this golf course has actually gone through a massive renovation. But to the viewer, it's not going to look that much different. Uh, Gil Hans went ahead and they ended up ripping up pretty much the entire golf course, put all new irrigation in. I talked to two longtime members, Dave and Alexis Hollander, and they were telling me that I think from the viewer's perspective, it's not going to change a lot, but they put new uh, green complexes in, but they previously lasered everything. So it's going to feel very much the same as to the golf course that we all remember from 2013. Gil Hans, if a golf course has had a little work done, Wingfoot, Quaker, Marion, Country Club, you can bet on it was probably Gil Hans. All right, Paige, I got one more for you. You know, GB and I, they need a victory coming off two straight losses. What kind of advice are they getting this week? Well, Aline Ratcliffe is definitely doing her homework. She reached out uh, to Johnny McLaren, who is a very well-known caddy on the PGA Tour, as well as Mark Fulcher. And you may remember him from that 2013 U.S. Open that Justin Rose won. He was on the bag that week. Also, if 
you were paying attention. He was also on the bag last week with Billy Horschel. So he has a busy schedule planned. Coming from Ohio, he's actually stopping here tomorrow. He's going to be walking with the GBNI team, um, giving him, them any insight or advice that he remembers from Justin Rose's U.S. Open win. Uh, all of that before he then makes his way to the men's U.S. Open next week in Boston. So a busy week uh, for Mark Fulcher, but also the fact that the Great Britain and Ireland team have reached out trying to get any advice that they can on this golf course. Uh, very impressive and important if they're going to try to make a charge against the United States team this week. Well, Paige, I can think of someone who can actually give some advice on the other side of the ledger here to the American team. Let's go back to the Curtis Cup Bandon Dunes 2006. You went 3-0-1 that week. What is the pressure like for somebody who's making their debut in a Curtis Cup? It's To me, I still get goosebumps. It's the best golf experience that I've ever had, and it was definitely the most pressure that I ever felt. I remember walking up uh, the 16th hole in one of my matches, and I was my my stomach was in knots to the point where I was trying to just eat because I knew I was going to have to keep my energy up for the 36 holes. But there's nothing like playing for your country. This is the pinnacle of women's amateur golf. This is an honor that all of these women um, will carry the rest of their golfing lives, um, and it's it's just an incredible experience. And lifetime friendships are also made amongst these team members and even the opposing team. Paige, I know how much this week means to you. From what I understand, it's free to the public. If you're, you know, in the area of Philadelphia, you know, somewhere in the Northeast, go watch some great golf at one of the great venues, Marion. So, Paige, have a great time. We'll speak to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, our own Paige McGinnis. So, folks, let's get an update right now on the Epson Tour. That's the road to the LPGA. We're going to take a look at the Ascensus race to the card. You see some notable names on this list, including Lucy Lee at number two and last. Winner on the Epsom Tour, that was former Duke standout Gina Kim. What a year she's having. The top 10 players in this race will earn their 2023 LPGA Tour cards. And this week, the Epsom Tour is in Kinston, North Carolina for the Carolina Golf Classic presented by Blue Cross North Carolina. And then over the next couple of weeks, the tour will be in Michigan for the inaugural Ann Arbor's Road to the LPGA and the Island Resort Championship. It's been three years since Rory McIlroy won the RBC Canadian Open, and he still has the trophy. After a couple of cancellations, we'll hear from the defending champion as he finally gets a chance to repeat. One of the greatest is returning to the LPGA Tour this week after a long absence, and she's joining us too. Carrie Webb, 41-time winner, will be here. And the Country Club isn't the only storied American course in the spotlight this month. We'll visit with a club historian at Merriam, host of this week's Curtis Cup. Golf Today continues now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Another hour of Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine. We've talked about how busy the game of golf is right now. Inside the ropes, outside the ropes. I mean, you are, you have a sharp pencil, my friend. Anybody who reads Eamon on, on Golf Week knows that. How much are you enjoying just kind of covering this very intriguing summer of golf, both on and off the course. From a professional standpoint, it's very interesting. From the, the standpoint of being a golf fan, it's dispiriting to see a, a situation where the game gets hijacked for the purposes mm. of sports watching. And mm. you can make as many arguments as you want about whatever shortcomings the PGA Tour or DP World Tour has, but it's a long way from that 
to start suggesting that an improvement is to turn the sport over to Mohammed bin Salman for mm. the purposes of washing his reputation. Mm. To me, that's just a, a step too far. So while it's an interesting so, summer from a professional standpoint, it's pretty depressing from the standpoint mm. of being a golf fan. It's a story that will continue to follow as news warrants. The game goes on. In fact, the last time the RBC Canadian Open was held, that was back in 2019. Happy times in the game. Roy McIlroy, what a Sunday. He had shocked the entire field shooting that final round of 61. This is the par 5, 17th hole. I mean, I might even make that eagle putt. Great shot from the four-time major champ. And when Rory is in full flight, I mean, it's just something to behold. And he really was that day. We were on 59 watch for most of the day. Absolutely. So as we meet the press, here's Rory McIlroy with Haley Hunter. Rory, I know you haven't seen this course before, so what are your general thoughts on it? And just what do you think needs to be most on in your game today to perform well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's a it's a really good golf course. Really like the setup of it, like the layout. Um, it's in really good shape as well, so so that's good. Uh, not the longest golf course in the world, but if you miss it, the the rough is pretty penal. It's pretty thick, um, and the greens are slopey. You know, you gotta you gotta stay on the right side of the holes here, and um, you know things can get really tricky if you don't. Um, so you know, I've had one one look at it, and I'm sure as the week progresses, I'll learn a little bit more about it as the you know as the days go on. But uh, first impressions really good, and you know, excited to get out there and play tomorrow. You mentioned the slopes, the tiers, and the greens. I saw some false fronts out there, and then you've got the rough out there that's thick, kind of like U.S. Open rough. What are you hoping to get out of this week that'll hopefully help prepare you for next week in Brookline? Yeah, I said that to my partners out there today. I actually think it's a really good week to prepare. Um, obviously, not just to prepare. You want to come here and, and try to be competitive and uh, and try to win a golf tournament. But uh, I think you're going to face some challenges this week that you'll probably face next week at Brookline as well. So. Um, you know, it's a wonderful tournament in its own right, but at the same time, um, you know, looking toward a major next week, it's great that the golf course is set up pretty similarly. You take a look at the stats, and you're at the near the top for all major statistical categories, uh, three overall in total strokes gained. Just where do you think in your game you need to fine-tune some things so that you can have all four rounds and really be able to put yourself in the best position come Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've sort of said this all year, but just avoiding the big numbers. Mm -hmm. um, I was in a decent position at Memorial last week. I made two double bogeys uh, on the day. And you know, if you just even just turn those doubles into bogeys. Um, so just avoiding the big numbers, making better decisions at some, uh, you know, at some points. But yeah, as you said, overall, like statistically, the game's in good shape off the tee, iron play, short game putting, everything's really solid. Um, so if I just keep, you know, keep on this path and keep doing the same things, you know, sooner or later, this, this good play is gonna you know, hopefully end up in wins. Thanks, Rory. Best of luck. Thank you. Rory says the game is solid, and the results recently have been solid as well. That uh, Valero Texas Open result notwithstanding, three top ten finishes. That's 64 in the final round of the Masters Tournament. T18 at the Memorial. He was kind of nibbling around the edges of contention. Uh, Eamon Lynch, I, I look at Rory, and I listen to Rory, and I wonder if there's a... Uh, a spot for him to maybe take a page from Justin Thomas in terms of, of the patience required to get to where he wants to be. Because as he says, the game is not bad. The game is good. The trophy just hasn't been there of late. That's the real test at the U.S. Open, isn't it, though? It's the need to be cautious and plot your way around the mm. golf course.
versus a natural desire to be aggressive. And a guy like JT and a guy like Rory are going to face that struggle mm. next week in knowing when to actually stick to their game plan when the temptation is to do something else. And it was interesting as hearing him describe the golf course this week in terms of the green complexes, in terms of the rough around the greens and how it was his key in terms of his prep for next week because Rory doesn't have his regular caddy this week. Harry Diamond is having a second child later this week in Ireland. So Harry's off the bag this week and Rory's old buddy Niall O'Connor, a former Irish rugby player, is on the bag. And Niall has caddied for Rory before. In fact, they finished, I think, fourth in Dubai a few years ago right. when he stepped in on the bag. So it's the decision-making is going to be Rory's this week without the normal sounding board of Harry Diamond beside him. But he, he's had good results coming previously. The year he won that Canadian Open by seven strokes with that final round 61, he showed up the next day at Pebble Beach for the US Open yeah. out there, and he ended up finishing T9 that week. He played well in stretches, had a, had a round that kind of got away from him at one point. But when you look at his numbers in, in terms of, you know, his scoring average is the third best on the PGA Tour. Yes. In, in strokes gained total, in strokes gained tee to green, he's right up there in, in the top three. There's no obvious weakness when you look anywhere through the bag. The only thing that's missing is confidence. I you were going to say Niall Horan first uh, on the bag. I got excited uh, for a second. Do you think that he has the temperament right now? We know he has it when he's playing the type of golf that he wants in terms of bringing home the trophies. You've had many conversations with Rory throughout the years. I'm just curious, at this point in this season right now, with what's happened already, the tears at the Ryder Cup, the 64 at the Masters, the win in Las Vegas, that he is poised to not just finish fifth or eighth or 18th, but to, to bring home a trophy soon. It's been very interesting watching two very different majors that he's played this year. He left Augusta National on an absolute high with that because when he went into that Sunday, he wasn't necessarily in the mix to win. He was so far back, but he shoots 64, ties the best ever round on a Sunday at Augusta National. And he, he's leaving absolutely euphoric. He left dejected. At Southern, he left mm. angry. He was pissed mm. when he left Southern Hills because that was one that got away, mm. and he knows he should have had it. That tournament basically ended where Rory finished at lunchtime on Thursday, yeah. and he just stuck in neutral and then worked his way back, came back a little bit on Sunday, and then hit stall again. And in a way, I think that's what Rory needs. There's never been a lack of determination. There's never been a lack of desire. With him, I've often wondered if losing hurts Rory enough mm. because he is a well-balanced person. He doesn't let golf define the rest of his life. And that was never how Tiger was, in a way, to, to his detriment. Later, he would probably acknowledge himself, but he never stopped burning whenever he didn't sure. have that victory. When he didn't get the trophy in his hand, it was a loss for Tiger Woods. Rory's never given that impression that it really hurts him that badly but he's starting to give that impression now we saw it with some of the angry outbursts he had after a couple of tournaments got yeah. away from him in the middle east over the course of the winter and i think what happened at southern hills is going to light a fire under him because the masters showed him what's possible the, the southern hills was the flip side of that coin in the pain that's sort of the agony that goes with the ecstasy yeah and i'm, I'm very curious to see how he approaches the next two major championships, but the fire is there. The, there's a little edge. Mm. It's, it's working its way back. Yeah, I kind of felt it as well when I spoke to him briefly at the Masters tournament. And even with the, 
the, the calm voice that he has in that interview with, with Haley. You can tell that the fire burns. Very important couple weeks for the four-time major champ. Now, switching gears for a moment, this morning our own Todd Lewis and Rex Hoggard confirmed with Bryson DeChambeau's agent Brett Falkoff that Bryson will be playing in the second Live Golf Series event at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland at the beginning of July. According to Falkoff, Bryson is not resigning from the PGA Tour and wants to continue to play PGA Tour events in the future. The 2020 U.S. Open champ spoke to all his sponsors and Commissioner Jay Monahan on the PGA Tour on Monday to inform them of his decision. Now, earlier today, some big names at the RBC Canadian Open, including Rory McIlroy, were asked about the first live event being held this week. Here's what they had to say. Rory, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to address the elephant in the room, the Saudi-backed live tour that will start at the same time as this Canadian Open. Um, there are some big names that have been confirmed just in the back last few days, even the last few hours. What do you make of it? What do you make of the fuss that's being made about it? Um, I think I think my stance on it has been pretty clear from the start. It's um, it's not something that I want to uh, participate in. Um, I certainly understand the guys that have went. I understand what their um, their goals and their ambitions are in their life. And, you know, I'm not, you know, certainly not knocking anyone for going. It's, it's their life. It's their decision. They can live it the way they want to. Um, but for me, you know, I, I want to play on the PGA Tour against the best players in the world. And, um, you know, I think for me, I... You know, I was speaking to a few people yesterday, and, and one of the comments was anything, any decision that you make in your life that's purely for money usually doesn't end up going the right way. Obviously, money is a deciding factor in a lot of things in this world, but if it's purely for money, it's not, um, never seems to, you know, it never seems to go the way you want it to. Um, and I've, I've had that before a couple of times in, in my life, and, um, you know, there's other things that 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 are a part of it too, but um, it's a it's a it's a weird time in professional golf. And um, you know, I said it a couple of weeks ago. We're just going to have to see how this season plays out. And you know, if if any other guys um, you know decide to go another direction than than the the established tours, I guess, and 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 see what the I guess see what the consequences are, but um, I guess for me right now, I can only speak personally. It's not something that you know I envision ever doing, and you know I'm happy playing on the PJ Tour, and you know I have a I have a nice schedule that I can pick for myself. Um, I can spend a lot of time at home with my family if I want to prioritize the majors, um, and yeah, there's nothing about my my schedule or my life or my earning or anything that that. Um, I would change. It's a bummer. I mean, I think a lot of us are, I don't know if annoyed or tired is the right way. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, I mean, I've thought a lot about it and it's like, look, like people are entitled to choose as they wish. You know, it's like, I don't dislike DJ now. I don't think he's a bad dude. I don't, I'm not going to treat him any differently. It's like he's entitled to choose as he wish. And I think that the day and age that we live in now, it's just so negative that 
I mean, you see it in everything, you know, sport, politics, whatever it is. It's like if you disagree with someone, you just feel that you're entitled to, like, hate them and talk bad about them and just bash their decision when everybody's entitled to their own opinion. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't like I said, it doesn't make him a bad person. Now, I'm, I'm disappointed, and I wish that he and others wouldn't have done it, but that's their decision, you know. Uh, I've said it all along. It's like guys can do as they wish. If they want to go, they can go. If they want to stay, they can stay selfishly. I think and I know that the PGA Tour is the, is the best place to play in the world. And, um, you know, it's just the, the decision is theirs. And uh, it is what it is. But I just I wish that it would take away or I wish it wouldn't be taking away from the great storylines and things that are going on on a tour that's been around for a very long time and, can, and is in the, one of the best places it's ever been. And, um, it, you know, it's just a bummer that those guys won't be a part of it. I would say stuff here is pretty unaffected. I haven't really noticed that any guys are missing. Um, you know, maybe outside of Dustin being an RBC guy for so long, I think he's really the only one that I notice where he's he's not here. But um, I'm out here competing against these guys. You know, we got the best players in the world. Um, I think what, we got five of the top ten playing here this week. Um, and so, the best players in the world are out here playing golf, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to competing against them this week. And you know, I don't I don't really know what's going on over there, so. I don't really have much to say. How about that, Eamon? Rory saying if you're just in it for the money, it usually doesn't work out the way you want. Justin Thomas sounding like a disappointed parent. Uh, I'm not mad at you, but I'm disappointed in you. And there's Scotty Scheffler, the world number one, saying, you know what, I'm un unaffected. The best players in the world are right here. Your reaction to the player reaction? It's not surprising in the, the guys who've made their decision to stay with the PGA Tour, including... McElroy, Scheffler, and Thomas, as we just saw, they're, they're pointing out part of the reason for doing it. It's the, it's the idea of not making a decision purely on a commercial basis. But Rory also had on another point where, there where he said he's got a nice schedule. No one can dictate to him where he plays, when he plays, and he can prioritize the majors. That's something that has been given up by those who choose to play the Live Tour because as one of those players who's currently in London told me it's basically an employee-employer relationship, mm. any kind of independent contractor status, is kind of out the window. And, and that's one of the ironies of watching this all unfold is how many players talk about ad nauseum, they are independent contractors and have a right to do whatever they want. And they then want to take that right and sign it away to the Saudis to have their schedule dictated in terms of when they show up. Because these aren't people to mess around with in terms of we know what their attitude is to, to dissent or criticism in this group and these guys are signing away a lot of independence but more than anything else they're signing away reputations reputations are being torched it's mm. just a, a bonfire of reputations in london right now you have said that jealousy could be a part of what attracts players to live golf you know the, the fact that the, the money that is being thrown at these players <laughs> but when you, when you hear rory and you hear scotty scheffler and Justin Thomas, do you think that maybe competition still is going to be a big part of the equation as well? That, that there will be a number of players that are in the camp of Rory and JT and Scotty Scheffler who, who will say, you know what? I want to compete. I want to be, you know, facing the best players in the world. And that that, what's stronger? Is it going to be the money or the competition? That's really the battle that's going on, isn't it? And we yeah. know what what Greg Norman's strategy is, because Greg has explicitly said the goal is to hand $4 million first-place checks to also-rounds or washed-up players. That way, the elite players mm. will say that money should be coming to me. I can beat that guy. And 
hope that that draws more players in. But the, the level of competition in, in the product that Liv is promising is barely above a member guest right now. Uh, and we're going to see that in, in the coming days. The, these guys have all talked about wanting to play against the best players in the world. As of now, and probably for the foreseeable future, the best players in the world are playing here in the United States and occasionally on, on the DP World Tour as well. And if they're motivated by competition and, and legacy and the desire to have their name etched in, in the history of this game, then they're not going anywhere. If they're past that, if they realize that their days of being a force in professional golf, that their ability to win at that level is so diminished that it now purely becomes a, a commercial play mm. for them, well, then they're going to take the easy money uh, and simply walk away. And the consequences of it don't really matter to them. And, and the consequences are the next interesting part of this, Damon. At some point, presumably in, in the coming days and weeks, the PGA Tour is going to respond to this with action. Yes. With disciplinary action. And it, it will be curious to see if they happen to announce that in public. Yeah. I would argue that there is an obligation upon the PGA Tour to announce those disciplinary actions in public because this is a very public situation. And the various fans, sponsors, corporate partners of all of these players also have a right to know whether mm. or not they are eligible to play the PGA Tour anymore. Yeah. It's a public battle that can no longer be fought in the shadows. And that action will have an impact on where we see these guys who are currently signing up to the Live Tour, where we see them play in the United States yeah. in the future. But look down the road. What is this going to do to the potential President's Cup yeah. lineup that, that Davis Love's got to work with in September? Because if guys are sanctioned by the PGA yeah. Tour, then there, there could be a number of guys who would be nominally on Davis Love's team it may not be eligible. And I think we'll soon learn that the weight of those sanctions, whatever they are, the weight of the discipline will tell a lot of people how the PGA Tour views live, whether they view it as a sideshow or a real threat. Back on golf today, Ozzy, 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 oi, oi, oi. Minji Lee is now a two-time major champ after cruising the victory at the U.S. Women's Open last week at Pine Needles. Entered the final round with a three-shot lead, birdied one and two, and said good night. Final round 71 to win by four. How about some U.S. Women's Open champs representing Australia, Jan Stevenson in 83, Kari Webb back-to-back 2000-2001, and there's Minji getting it done at Pine Needles just like Kari back in 2001. Speaking of Kari, now this week the LPGA is in Galloway, New Jersey for the ShopRite. LPGA Classic. It's an event the Hall of Famer Kari Webb won back in 2013. Shot a final round 68 to finish at four under for a two-shot win. Now, she's making her 16th start in this week's event where she has never missed the cut in her first LPGA Tour start since January at the Gamebridge LPGA. So it's time now for a past champ chat. We welcome in a seven-time major champ in Kari Webb. Kari Thank you for your time. I did some research on your 41 LPGA wins. The shop right at four under was the highest winning score of your career, even higher than your two U.S. Women's Opens. What do you remember about that difficult week at the shop right? Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I, that week was one of the windiest weeks we've ever played here. Uh, and also the the Poana greens probably weren't in the best shape, so there wasn't a lot of putts made. And and on the Sunday, I shot, uh, I believe I shot three under on the Sunday in, in probably the windiest day of the week. And 
and made up tons of ground and ended up, uh, I thought at best that it would put me in a playoff, but it ended up being enough. Carrie, that was the 39th of your 41 wins on the LPGA Tour, and you haven't played much in the last couple of years at all. What brings you back this week, and what are your expectations? Well, I love this event. Um, I have tons of friends and family that um, come down uh, for this event as well. Uh, and when I played, uh, well, when I was signed up to play in early January, um, they were all like, so does that mean you're playing Atlantic City? And I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes this week. And it was like, it, there was no discussion that I was playing Atlantic City. So um, I, it's just great to be back here. Like you said, uh, I didn't realize I played it 16 times, but um, you know, I've played here a lot and, you know, it's it's a very familiar, comfortable place and, um, you know, uh, it, the hotel staff here is still the same as when I first came here and um, they're all very welcoming. It's just it's just a nice event. Um, you stay on property and and, uh, you know, it, it's just it's just fun, fun event. My expectations for the week, uh, who knows? Um, I think the course at least lends itself to me that um, I know how to play it um, when it's windy. Um, I've played it in many different conditions and it's, it's probably one of our shortest courses on, on tour. So um, the advantage that the, the young kids have now over me hitting it 30, 40 past me um, really doesn't lend itself to a big advantage here on this course. So, um, you know, I just, uh, I can't tell you what the week's going to bring, but I, you know, I, I feel like I can be competitive out here. Kari, you're a great champion. You're also a mentor. In fact, fellow Aussie Jane Crafter told me in 2015 that Minji Lee benefited greatly from your scholarship series in 2013 and 14 and your influence. What did you see in a young Minji Lee? Yeah, well, I've known Minji since she was uh, probably 13 or 14 <coughs> years old. And, uh, um, you know, Minji's just gotten better and better um, every single year. Um, and in 13 and 14, um, I think she was still, well, maybe 16, um, 15, 16 when she came over. Uh, she came over with 2-0 and, uh, you know, just uh, bright-eyed and excited to be at her first US Open, which was at Sabonic, and Envy Park won that, that event that year. But, you know, she was just taking it all in, and I think she truly believed that she would be holding that trophy one day. Is there any chance we're going to see you in a major championship this year or anytime soon, Carrie? It's been a few years since you played one. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't believe so. I won't say no, but um, you know, I'm not playing enough golf to be sharp enough to play a major. Uh, um, I played, uh, I think, four majors in 2019, and I think I only played seven, seven or eight events. And um, I just, you know, I think in majors the decision making and 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 you need to be really mentally sharp, and your game needs to be spot on. And um, you know, otherwise it's just really hard to compete. And I don't, I don't want to play if I don't think I can at least be somewhat competitive. Kari, humor me for a moment. Uh, one year, I believe it was Val Skinner's charity event. I was in the group behind you, and, and I watched you hit a golf shot, and I listened to the sound. I don't think I've ever seen or heard anything as pure. How did you become one of the great ball strikers in the history of this game? <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, just lots of hard work. I, I wouldn't say that um, my upbringing through golf was very traditional at all. I grew up in a small town in, in Australia and we had no club professionals. So um, the club champion there who was the head green superintendent was good friends with my parents and um, he coached me. Uh, he was my only coach uh, through the best part of my career. Uh, and, uh, and 
from the age of 16, he was a quadriplegic. So uh, uh, me being at the age of 16, he was a quadriplegic. So um, through the best part of my career, you know, the 2000, 2001 US Open that you put up there, he was he was my only coach. So um, I think it's a lot of natural, natural talent, of course, and, you know, um, being taught good fundamentals. Gary, you don't tweet very often, so when you do, it's noteworthy. And last month, you tweeted that a little, the little girl inside you had died because of the disappointment you had in your childhood hero, in, in Greg Norman. Has anything changed over the last month since that tweet to, in any way, change your opinion on that? No, she's still well and truly dead. Cara, do you have any concerns about this, the state of the game going forward? Uh, the men's game is undergoing a potentially a seismic shift. Any concerns that the, the women's game could potentially uh, be kind of following the same, same suit at some point? Sorry, Damon, can you ask that question again? Just saying that the, the men's game is undergoing some turbulence at this point, in large part because of Greg Norman and the Live Golf Venture. Are you concerned at all that the women's game could be vulnerable as well? Yeah, yeah, I am, Damon. Um, you know, I think it's really, it's, it's really in the women's game. It's really hard because obviously you want um, as many women to have the opportunity to play the game. But as women, I feel like we should be standing with all women and um, and the treatment of women in Saudi Arabia. Um, we we shouldn't be supporting that. Um, so, you know, I, I feel for for younger players that. Um, you know, might lose opportunities over there um, or, or you know, feel the need to go there. I understand it. I think if I was a younger player with no money in my pocket, I'd probably be going. But um, from my standpoint and the age that I'm at, um, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, as women, we need to, we need to stand together. And um, I, Meg Mallon said it the best um, at the beginning of the year um, when our founders started this tour, um, they refused to play at clubs that um, didn't allow black players or Hispanic players. Um, and they needed, they needed to play every opportunity they could and they still refused to do that. So I feel like when we say act like a founder that, that we really need to take a page from that book. Cara, we appreciate your time and thoughts on this Wednesday. Have fun back in New Jersey and we'll speak to you down the road. Thanks guys member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, LPGA Hall of Fame as well, Kari Webb. Now, more news coming from the LPGA. Danielle Kang revealed at last week's U.S. Women's Open that she has been playing with a tumor on her spine. And she went on social media to release the following statement yesterday, saying, in part, as of now, I will not be participating in the ShopRite LPGA, Meyer LPGA Classic, the Dow Tournament, and unfortunately, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship as well as a past champ. This was not an easy decision to make. However, if I've learned anything from throwing a fit to play in the U.S. Open, I want to compete, not just participate. From all of us here at Golf Channel, get well soon. Daniel King, Golf Today, we'll be right back.